What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hi, welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. We get together all the time on a regular basis in order to ask that question, what does it mean to say yes to spirit? And how do our lives work when we are saying yes to spirit? Do they work better, do you think? Would better be a right word? Do they work differently? Differently. Differently, okay. Because it's always perfect. Oh, right. Okay. Even when it feels really not perfect, you say? Yeah. Because that's your pathway to making a choice that takes you in another different direction. Um, So it's always perfect. And sometimes the feel, not feeling good... Not loving it just keeps us stuck in what's really only supposed to be a pathway, not a uh, permanent residence. Not not, not the destination? Exactly. Exactly. So um, every week on uh, the show we have a theme, and today's theme is neighbors. Man, you know... The divine design of life, I had a very interesting neighbor encounter just this morning. I'm so glad I came. That's perfect. (laughs) I love how that happens because almost always we choose our themes in advance and we don't know what what the universe is going to provide for us. So our theme today is Neighbors. But before we get into our theme for the day, we always connect the dots with our previous theme, and our most recent previous theme was generosity. And see, this just plays right into my little neighbor experience. I have to have my theme music. Do I have my theme music playing? Oh, yay. Okay. I love my theme music. The idea that we talked about last week, living in a, in a spirit of generosity and how that shifts our experience. I have one neighbor that is really, the, um, we would say the political views, we would say the energy views, we would say the religious views, we would say in every possible way that we could think on a human level, we think differently. Yes. <laughs> really not and, all that and, unusual, but yeah. Because it's me, because everyone yeah. thinks it. Thank you. Um, anyway, yes, go yes, on with yes, the story. Yes. So the, this, this super, uh, neighbor, instead of that being like a repellent, he just seems to be want more time around me. And so it, it was a question this morning of having that generous heart and, and being connected or, you know, kind of pulling back and not connecting and... Um, and I was very aware of the word neighbor uh-huh. as I was talking to him and being aware of, you know, um, treat your neighbor as yourself, or is there some sort of saying around that? Yeah. Is it neighbor? Does it use the word neighbor? It does use the word neighbor, doesn't it? Yeah. Depending on which version of the Bible you use, <laughs> yes, yes, neighbor wasn't is. a word that existed, ah. you know, 2,000 years ago, I don't guess. But, yeah. To your fellow man or something, yes, but the neighbor concept, and I, and I kind of thought of that, you know, that that how I'm going to interact with him is is reflecting on the energy that I'm going to be pulling into myself, yeah. and so I wanted to be aware of giving him some time that I that I had to give, which was really not much time because I'm always kind of running out of time, right? We should do a show on time, but um. I was very aware that I that I needed to be generous in my time with him, and that he, being my neighbor, my fellow man, there was something sacred about that exchange, and I was very aware that I needed to not just shut him down like I would normally do and run and try to get in the backyard before he sees me. Not that I do that on a regular basis, but you know that I would need to be aware of my neighbor. So it's really interesting that we were talking about that. Okay. 
That was a real time example, but connecting me back to being generous. And this morning I am pleased to say that I was generous. I chose generosity to my neighbor. And I feel so grateful that I had that example rather than, you know, the opposite, which I would have well, to tell. Right. And it's like, then you have an example of how if you were connected. It wasn't just. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfectly fine connected dot. So we're going to take a little break, and then we are going to come back and talk about our theme for this week, which is Neighbors. Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit, and our theme today is neighbors. Um, do you know your neighbors? Oh, whether you know them or not, does your relationship and interaction with them reflect your commitment to saying yes to spirit? Because you know you don't really have to know your neighbors by name or what they do mm-hmm. to to act and react mm-hmm. in ways that reflect love and God and all of that. Um, I mean, I've had neighbors who I've known really well <coughs> over the you know last 20 years, and I've had neighbors who I didn't know at all. And um, still, the opportunities are there to act from a place of saying yes to spirit or not. Have you lived in the same place for 20 years? No. Oh. <laughs> You've had neighbors the last 20 years. Like over the last 20 years. Oh, right, right. I've had a lot of different neighbors. Haven't you had neighbors like for longer than that since you're older than 20 years? (laughs) I just think you've always had neighbors, right? Even as a child, you had neighbors. I wasn't saying it as one person. Oh, I see. I've had a variety of neighbors. I got you. Over the last 20 years. I got you. Okay. I'm thinking, wow, same place for 20 years. Well, growing up. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. growing in the house I grew up in, mm-hmm. um, you know, those neighbors who are not there now, of course, but when I was in my <coughs> 20s and early 30s, some of those neighbors were still, you know, in the house next door, three doors down, mm-hmm. or uh, actually the woman who be, who was my mother's best friend in the neighborhood still lives. You know, actually, she's around the corner. Mm. Um, but they, they, um, her kids, and I went to school together. And um, you know, they still live in the same house, just right around the corner. So, in that sense, in theory, if I still lived there, I would be saying I've had the same neighbor mm-hmm. for decades. You know, my mother lives in the house that I was. They actually built when I was born. They had to build a whole new house to make room for Leslie. I, I think that's very powerful, isn't it? Anyway, uh, and I'm 51 almost, and she has three neighbors that have always been her neighbor within you know a block. And I think that's really interesting and really, really unusual, and a real indication of. You know how do we how do we treat our little neighborhood and embrace our neighborhood and how does that kind of from a you'll know this it's on my mind this morning Tracy Brown micro versus macro which is the big experience the macro yeah thank you <laughs> you should have seen the expression she gave me like yeah everybody knows that Leslie well apparently I didn't know only the micro. The expression of go. you know that because you're saying it. <laughs> yeah. Micro would be the smaller 
microwave, microscope, micro. Oh, she said, okay, microscope, yes, okay. That's a good, see, that's a good little, that's a good little, uh, that's a good little tip. Okay, microscope, right. So that, that, that my little neighborhood is a micro experience of the macro experience of the universe being my neighborhood and how how the um, exchanges and the activities that I participate in on my little my little hood experience you know is kind of a duality happening in this larger world at the same time you know I love that that idea as something to think about because so often in this day and age it seems that the majority of people don't want to have or just don't have relationships, conversations Mm. with the people who live next door to them or across the street or if they're in a high-rise building or an apartment complex, you know, Mm -hmm. the people in the apartment next door or across the hall. And, uh, and you know, it's like we don't know what, which came first, the chicken or the egg, but that also mirrors what how we live in the U.S., right. um, in our society. Moving fast, you are suspicious when people walk up to you on the street, you know, or even if you're in a, not just on the street, but you're in a restaurant or a grocery store, mm-hmm. we often find it, Strange that people would speak to us or were suspicious if they do. Right. Like, what do they want? Are they trying to distract me because they're working with somebody who's going to, you know, <laughs> pickpocket me? I mean, all these <clears throat> fears <throat> and all of these assumptions that someone is out to hurt me mm-hmm. or to do me wrong, you know, it's like, okay, did that happen in at the micro, at the macro level first in society as a whole? And then we brought it into our micro, into our homes and neighborhoods. Or did it start breaking down in our neighborhoods mm. first and then play out on the bigger? And I mean, you know, it's it's one of those you can never answer the question. And for different people, it may seem in their life, mm-hmm. in their individual life, that it got motivated externally mm-hmm. or it was based on you know, their own perception or their own personal experience, and then they took it out into the world. But they definitely mirror each other. Yes, yes. And and it's an interesting, um, I don't know if duality is the right word, but it's like there's, you know, there's these both and, these things happening at the same time, and being aware of, what's happening to me with my little neighbor right across the street in real time this morning, how the sort of vibrational energy of that ripples out into and spirals up into um, a larger realm of um, adding to the, I hate the language of good and bad, but, you know, adding to the positive growth towards becoming more aware and aligned with the oneness or... Mm -hmm adding energy to, you know, lower vibration, lower energy of feeling separated, feeling disconnected, feeling unloved, feeling uncared for. And so my choice this morning to to be in conversation with him and to be uh, allow him to, you know, give to me and me to give to him and just that three minutes, was really um, significant in feeding the energy of the rest of my day, I think. And I love my neighbors. I know my I, I really love him. He, he's such a, you know, as I said, such a polar opposite. But we can have interesting, and there's nothing mean-spirited about him, and there's nothing aggressive about him. And he'll he'll say, uh, he'll always say that, that, uh, that uh, how does he phrase it? He says something about my homosexuality that it gives him permission to, you know, be a better person because he loves me and he really doesn't care that much for homosexuals in general. But somehow he only actually language that that somehow being nice to me he's he's aware that he's opening himself up in his own biases or his own opinions about that about my my experience in the world and the human spirit human experience. 
But um, having my exchange with all of my neighbors, I love my neighbors. It's such a, um, it's a giving experience to me to come home and to wave to my neighbors. And I've, I, I have a, I live in a, a older part of town where people have porches and people sit on their porches and there's um, a lot of diversity and a lot of different cultures and and people are very connected and it's funny we had one uh, couple that moved in to our neighborhood and I could tell within a week they knew they had made a big mistake (laughs) (laughs) it was just they were not they were looking for you know the kind of the secluded like you know nobody talks to each other you drive your car in the back garage and you know you have that that experience, and we're very much of a neighborhood and eclectic, and everybody talking, everybody knows each other, everybody knows, you know, whose kids are whose and whose dogs are whose, and and that um, that just feeds me on a real deep level. I can't imagine not having that now, having having had that now. I can't imagine not having that forever. Well, I, I'm smiling because. Um, my neighborhood is not so much like that, but I live in a duplex. And so mm-hmm. the neighbors that I had before the current one and the neighbors before them and the neighbors before them. <laughs> You've had a few. Have, we've always, like, we've known each other. We've had each other's phone numbers. Mm-hmm. We, you know, touch base. We'll stand on the, or sit on the porch and have a little visit, you know, and, um, and the neighbors, and so I really did get used to that. Mm-hmm. And I know the, you know, the neighbors directly across the street. And I live on a corner lot, so I don't have neighbors on, you know, both sides. And, um, and and I live in a pretty short block, so it's not, you know, really that many people around. But the latest neighbors in the duplex next to me have been there about six months. And, you know, I didn't think anything about when they first moved in. I just, um, you know, I went out and I bought cupcakes and oh, I, nice. you know, took some cupcakes and a card and nice. and wrote my, you know, in from my name and my phone oh, number, fabulous. my email address on a, on a index card uh-huh. and gave it to them. And I even said, you know, because you never know what's going to happen in case of emergency mm-hmm. and when you won't get settled. You know, I'd love to have your numbers because I'm here a lot during the day. So mm-hmm. if something's going on, I can let you know, whatever. Right. And about a week later, um, I had I gave them something else uh, because I I had I just had it. I thought they would it would be helpful when they're moving in. I gave them something else. You know, rang the doorbell. What's the and I reminded them, I reminded them, you know, yeah. I know you're still unpacking and everything, but I'd really love to have your phone number. And what was interesting is that, and, and so six months later, I short story, you I don't still have don't it have still? no phone number. Wow. And what was interesting is, um, one of the things that was interesting is that there were two friends, and they were moving in together, and, you know, to... to they're young in oh. their early 30s, late 20s, early 30s, I believe, uh, by looking at them. And, um, you know, and sharing expenses, which allows them to live. Kind of know, roommates. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, not dating, not lovers, not okay. lovers just roommates. Um, and one of the, and two women, and one of the women has a boyfriend. And so I met one of the women, and every time I would ring the bell, it would be the same one. And she was very friendly, mm-hmm. very friendly and nice. Um, and then I met the other roommate's boyfriend mm. out, like, you know, in the back, taking out the garbage or, you know, I'm driving out, he's driving in, something like that. But I still, to this day, have six months later, have not met the second roommate. Wow. Which is also really interesting. Um so it's just that the whole idea of neighbors, what does it mean to be a neighbor? And like you said, you live in a neighborhood where people know each other and all of that, and you can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't imagine six months ago that I wouldn't, you know, know 
Yeah, a right. little bit At least more. The phone number. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> the name. Of, I don't know what kind of work they do. Yeah, right. I don't know um, anything about their mm. background or how they came to this neighborhood. I have invited them over a couple of times. Just you know, come on, come over, and you know, just let's have a chat. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> And you know me well enough that's to know that that's a lot because that's I'm an introvert. Your, yeah, that's uh, that's not your natural inclination. I mean, I'm not an to, extrovert. Yeah. I wouldn't I, be just like going yeah. around saying, you know, coffee. here, like, yeah. come on in, have yeah. some coffee up here. No, yeah. that is just not me. <laughs> but in the context of it being my neighbor, right, um, and us having each other's backs. Now that's interesting. See, now that's a very so you're. You're making a conscious effort to come out of your natural, quote unquote, natural. That's right word, but your yes, instinct. Okay. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah, so you're making an effort to come outside of that to engage in sort of a preemptive. Preempt- you know, you're 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 seeing that there could be benefit to. Having their phone number, you know, if there's a fire. I mean, I know they have puppies because I hear their puppies. But you know, you, you know, if God forbid something happened, you would be able to help well, to be no helpful right. and vice versa. Right, right. And so, in a strange way, you're seeding something really positive, not just for you, but for them. Right. And the resistance for whatever. I mean, I'm you know really just what I love to do most is make judgments and understanding <laughs> other people's thinking that I, you know, have no way of knowing. But, you know, for them, whatever they're thinking, who is this woman and why does she want my phone number and I don't exactly. want her to know who and I am. I've been or, in that place. You know. So it's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, and they're in their late 20s or early 30s and it's, you know, it's like for them probably it's like their mother asking yeah, them yeah. to keep tabs on them. I mean, you know, from that perspective. So it's like I totally get that. Mm-hmm. And that actually is what I end up saying a lot. It's kind of like, mm, you know, they're at that age or stage in life where you really, it's easy to think you're totally independent, not interdependent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm living on my own and I'm paying my bills and that's all, you know. And, yeah, who is this nosy old woman? And um, so it's like I I, ha- I don't even really think about it that much. It came up because we're talking about neighbors, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, and it's like, wow, okay, this is interesting. What is it? What does it mean to be a neighbor? Mm-hmm. And I really, I like the idea that, the, the, the idea that, Everyone is my neighbor, and that word neighbor bringing out a sense of um, common space mm-hmm. and familiarity, um, hopefully, <laughs> and I do think it is that thing. Even, you know, I guess I've always I've always made an effort to get to know my neighbors, and regardless if I was living in an apartment or whatever, I would always I always found a way to do that. So, but I also use that concept or that sense of being neighborly mm-hmm. you know, in the workplace or in the in the larger scope of people around me. And and again, how does it affect my energy of giving or taking or being connected to in a in a neighborly fashion? And um and what does it mean to kind of I love what you said, you know, kind of be, you know, I've got your back kind of idea that I can be aware of what's going on around the physicality of my life, my house, your house, mm-hmm. and I can be sort of um, your your eyes when you're not here. I mean, there's a big metaphor there in terms of being useful and on the lookout if something out of out of sorts is happening, I'm going to be the one to call you. I'm going to be the one to have your back, to care enough to care kind of thing. Yeah. And it it is, um, it is, it well, it's just interesting. I can't even think of a, a better word because um, what's happened now, it's for me here, is that the neighbors across the street 
actually we've had more conversations in the last three months, of the last two months, two to three months, about the new neighbors, you know, next door to me because they too, the neighbors who were there um, before, the last two sets of neighbors who were there before, you know, the four of us, the duplex across, that's two, and then the, my duplex, that's two. So the four of us always had some communication or, you know, it, it, we could accept deliveries for oh, each right, other, right, right. that kind of stuff. And um, and so even the neighbors across the street, like, you know, they'll see me come, they'll, they may be out in the yard and I'll go out to get my mail. And they'll beckon me over and it's like, Good. well, have you met them yet? <laughs> well, what was going on with that? That's well, so are, they, are they really okay as neighbors? So like, are you okay? <laughs> like, you know, you can come over anytime if you, you know, just want to come and talk. Um, so it's really kind of interesting. And then, of course, now, as, as you know, recently one of those two neighbors across the street, they um, made a decision to move halfway across the country, and so now we're, you know, in the process of, uh, I've learned there's a new neighbor moving in, hasn't moved in quite yet, across the street, Um, so I'll do the same thing, you know, I don't know if it'll be cupcakes, it'll be uh, something, though. Just you, flower. You, you'll scare them like you scare these sweet young girls next door to you. Yeah, it's so interesting the the way we interpret people's outreach of and you know, why do we you know what what what's the fear there? I mean, I can I can remember outreaching to this couple that moved in that clearly knew by the way they had gone, come to the wrong space. But there was there was almost like you're saying people wondering why people you know what is the motivation what is the intention I could clearly see this guy saying why is she over here in my front yard giving me her card you know exactly. I, I don't want your card I don't know you I don't need to know you I don't have any yeah, interest totally. in knowing you and I can tell you're not like me so I don't want you on my front yard I mean just energetically with all that and of course that just made me stay longer but um <laughs> you know I just Really, it's a it's a fascinating thing when when the outreach is really just just pure human connection and actually something that could be beneficial to them. You know, what is that kind of fear based? And if we're looking at the macro, I, I love that I now understand these words clearly. But if we look at the macro energy of that. You know that is that is what's been created that we look at this larger scope of people or cultures or countries and you know that's scary and that's bad and we don't want to get to know them and we don't want to go over there and they shouldn't come over here and this is my yard and what are they doing? Yeah, and it does so much reflect all of these arbitrary and ridiculous divisions that that we as humankind in the 20th and 21st century have created. You know these artificial made-up barriers and um, stories that we've made up about all the reasons why we cannot interact, or someone, or someone who right. doesn't look like us, or think like us, or behave like us. You know that we must obliterate them, or remove them, or convert them to be just like <laughs> us. You know, and so it is. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's a really valid question when we look at it from the context of saying yes to spirit. If I'm saying yes to spirit and I believe that um, love is my religion, love is my path, right. to be love in the world, to receive love in the world, um, then I don't know. I think it really shifts how we interact. So even though I've said, you know, described what the what the condition is or the situation is between me and my neighbors, I'm really conscious that when I do see one of them that I turn the you know, the tape in my head starts starts running because I'm human. <laughs> right. You know, and there was a time thirty years ago when I moved into a neighborhood and and uh, at the time, I was married, and we had we wrote a little poem. And my, How cute! And my ex wasn't 
or still is an artist. Um, and so he had drawn this, you know, little image and the picture, and then we together wrote this little short poem uh, about welcoming to the neighborhood. Uh, and, you know, we printed out 25 or 30 of them. And so, and we were, we had moved into a neighborhood that was being built, uh, a new neighborhood. So a lot of new neighbors and coming so, in. so, yeah, when we moved on our block, I think we were the fourth house to go up, and, you know, and it was a pretty long block. So we did about 25 or 30 of them. <clears throat> and so when, you know, we'd see a moving truck three That's or four so down the street, fun. we would take this little poem, this I little card that had the poem, and, um, and you know, and, and mm-hmm. say, welcome to the mm-hmm. neighborhood, mm-hmm. and we're down here at this house, and mm-hmm. if there's anything we can do. And it was really interesting because, we got the suspicious, and this, these are people moving into a new place. They know they're not going to know anybody, right? We think we're being all friendly and everything. So we made up a story that <clears throat> a number of people, this wasn't true for everyone, but a number of people who were really uncomfortable with us, we made up a story they were uncomfortable because they didn't know there were going to be any black people in their new neighborhood. Ah, perfect, Right. And that, you know, if ah, they weren't comfortable with yeah. black people, then we weren't going to be, be comfortable with them. Well, that we weren't going to be forceful. Oh, right, right, right. And that, you know, and, and we would make up that story after we were friendly, and then we would see them on the street, and we would wave, and they would just come and look at us like, why are you waving <laughs> at us? Yeah. Or our neighbor directly across. Uh-huh. I mean, we would we actually would see them a lot, uh-huh. and it was like they would pull their kids closer. No, my <laughs> golly! So we decided oh, thirty years ago. That's so we decided that it was clear uh, to us wow. the story was sure. they didn't know they were going right. to live near black people, and they weren't comfortable with that. So for us, it was like, okay, fine, we can't change the fact that we're black. So whatever, <laughs> and got to the point where. I could see my neighbors across the street because we had front entry garages, uh-huh. so I could see them, and I didn't even bother to wave or speak or say hello. I just, wow. just you know, pull in my garage, or you know, if I'm out in the yard, I'd just be out in the yard. If they spoke to me, I'd be happy to speak. But you know, after about ten times of being the first to speak, or twenty times, you know, after about four months, yeah. it's like, okay, I don't have to do that when I speak, and they just look away uh-huh. and still don't speak. Uh-huh. So that was then, and but what I find now is that if I see one of my neighbors, mm-hmm. I the story wants to be made up like they're young and they mm-hmm. think they're invincible or maybe they're uncomfortable, maybe they have never had black neighbor before. You know, I don't <laughs> know. But the sto- my mind wants right. to put a story yeah. to it and I stop it and uh-huh. I just speak. Yeah. It's like yeah. I speak yeah. and I smile yeah. and I yeah. say, how yeah. are you today? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and that is different. And a, a big piece of that for me, then it would have been trying to win them over. Mm-hmm. Now it's grounded in I don't need to know who they are to be who I am. I love that. You know, that I've believed for a long time, but it's the I am an expression of God. And so I don't know what's going on with them. You know, I don't know what's going on with him or with her. All I know is that as you started out with, you know, treat your neighbor as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, it's they're my neighbor. I recognize that. And I... I'm going to be an expression of love, of acceptance, of joy, of peace, to the best of my ability. Right. And I don't have to know what's going on with them to do that. And and love that story on so many levels. And, and the, the the thing that I'm ending with in the end of that story is that, you know, the divine design, spirit has been never ending well. And the the amount of energy to say hello and how are you and, you know, this beautiful day, that energy, if I'm living in saying yes to spirit, that is just there. That doesn't take any effort. That doesn't, you know, doesn't extrovert, introvert, whatever. That connection is um, just part of who I am when I make eye contact, right? 
and it's not it's it's not something that deplenishes over time or changes based on reaction from the external right and so when i'm saying yes to spirit that is just what is and when i'm in the human <clears throat> your story i love that's that did i say that i love it it's really i'm going to i'm going to write it down later um it is really powerful because you show how we get caught in that human cycle you know we can start off yes with with this divine intention right but then at some point is it really divine intention if I get into my human story and then I become part of the cycle? You know, then on some level, then that kind of clouds the whole thing because the divine intention, if I'm living fully in that, I wouldn't even notice necessarily their reaction. I wouldn't get into the human story of what their, that reaction means. And so it would just be kind of a non-issue. I would just keep doing what I'm doing. But we get into that human reaction, then make it an assessment or a judgment, which usually mine are correct. But, um, you know, we make that assessment or judgment, and then we react out of that, and then we then create this lower vibrating, lower energy um, exchange that adds to fuel to this sense of separation and a sense of being disconnected and... Um, and what an amazing and, right. choice. And then that manifests, and then we feel like, okay, that's really what's going on here mm-hmm. in this world, in this experience we call life. And it's like, no, it's what you created. Mm-hmm. Out of all the infinite mm-hmm. possibilities, mm-hmm. out of all the relationships you could create, you just created separation. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, But then I can get really good at, well, you know, it's the person over there that created right, it's it. Their fault. I mean, it's their fault. I'm just reacting. If they'd been nice to me, I wouldn't have had to be such a horrible, you know. Yeah. But then when I stop and look at it, it's my behavior that's, you know, kind of continuing it on. Um, you know, I, I, I really, I find, I find myself uh, surrounded. I work Dallas County Jail, I always say that, but it, I'm surrounded by officers of the law and um, and there's a great division between, you know, being the all-powerful, and in human form there is nothing that has power, more power than an officer sitting on a floor of, um, quote-unquote, inmates or prisoners. And, and how I watch the officers exercise that power is really fascinating. And how, and I'm a visitor in their world, but, you know, a very strange visitor because it's very unusual to have people in street clothes come into a jail pod. And so our program kind of defies the natural rule of order within a jail. So it's very disturbing to many of the officers that we're even allowed to come into their space. Right. And so to watch how they react to respond to me, and it's really fascinating to watch me respond to them. <laughs> <laughs> And it, I can't. It, uh, it, uh, it's just fraught with interest if there could only be a camera. But, you know, I think um, as I watch how some of the officers, not all the officers, but some of the officers treat the prisoners, it's very evident in my mind that they have crossed some line in their head that these women aren't human, right. that these women aren't aren't divinely designed, don't have any inherent <laughs> rights. It's their personal job to humiliate <laughs> right. and dishonor their humanity. Right. And, and and they do it in such a way that it, 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 it I see that they don't understand they're doing that to a human. It's not registering to them. Right. If they were in an outside, I just know they wouldn't treat somebody, you know, outside the prison walls that way. And I don't, and I, and I wonder on some sort of, Macro, micro. That is my word for the day. But you know, there's something energetically allowing that to happen, and there's something um, that we've gotten to in our oneness that has so separated us from who we are that would even um, um, it, it, it seems like in some way there should be just kind of a dark hole that opens up and it should just fold into the earth. <laughs> you know, it's just like there's not. Even be allowed, you know. At some point, and you know, it's the same concept. I, you know, gosh, you know, taken to the nth degree, it's the concentration camps, or it's the, 
you know, the, the slavery. I mean, you know, we had to X out in our head that these people are, are not they're human. human. People. They're, they're, not, they're not even, right. yeah. They're property instead of yeah. humanity or in Amazing. jail. It's, it's my job to be a part of their punishment mm. because not, not like you punish a child so that the child learns the right thing. Right. But it's the role of punisher, mm-hmm. punishment, and in a way that is not about growth, that is about power. And you, right, you wouldn't have power, you wouldn't have that same perception of power if it were your mother, your sister, your daughter, because you would see the personhood of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing the but person, that's what's missing. Right, but if it's just seen. power from um, the sense of, yeah, this is property, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a whole different thing. And how does that connect to treat your neighbor as yourself? I mean, you know, I mean, at some, how do we get to that? Even Well, in that role, you don't see, if you're the prison guard, <laughs> you, know, you your don't neighbor? see them as your neighbor, which is an interesting thing because we do talk about, and you mentioned it in the first five or ten minutes, isn't everybody in the entire right. world our neighbor, not right. just the person who lives next door or across the street? Right. And how would how would I behave differently if I truly believed that everyone I come into contact with yes. is my yes. neighbor? Yeah, yeah. How would that? And yeah, if I'm listening to this show, if I ever could take a concept away, that would be the thing to take away and play with. How would I treat this person in the 7-Eleven line differently? How would I treat this person panhandling differently? How would I treat this person who, you know, maybe has done something horrific, you know? How would I treat them differently if I, or how would I think of them differently if I really saw them as divine energy, as a child, you know, equal to me and my energetic divineness of God expressing and not making judgment on the external character or behavior, you know, how their human is expressing, stop focusing on the human expression of what they're doing in humanity and start focusing on the divine expression and start trying to unfold how is this human expression just cloaking the divine expression and how can I Make it a bit of a game. It's a bit of a game to me. How can I connect to the divine? How can I, how can I uh, use language that awakens that divine? I mean, I'm a real big believer that there's language or there's truth, and you throw it out there. You just throw it out into the elevator space, and it's going to connect to the divine within the other people, whether they know it or not. And it's going to spark something. There's going to be an energetic something that that that, that is tangible that goes beyond the human the human expression. And and that that energy ultimately feeds so much. And if I if I can consciously choose how I language my words and how I see you, then then I'm I'm becoming a a part of you know raising the the vibration level and and raising myself. I'm not just throwing it out there for you. I'm I'm raising my own and so if i am conscious of that boy that that's just going to feed me and feed me and feed me and i won't ever need to sleep <laughs> that just be so i would go with you until you got to the end <laughs> and that was the fun part but it is it's to make a conscious conscious decision of how i'm interacting with people and if i'm reacting to their human or am i reacting to their divine that's the that's the opportunity and sometimes it's about I think, not reacting but calling forth. Am I I calling forth by what I do and say? Am I calling them Mm. forth to to be in their humanness? And what made me think of this is you talking about, yeah, if you're on the elevator, what you Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. can raise the vibration even if people aren't aware of it. Right. And so what I'm doing at that point is, setting 
the environment are calling for. Yeah, Someone who good. doesn't consciously like that. know that's what I'm doing. Right. But when they exit the elevator, mm-hmm. they feel better than yes. they did when they got on the elevator. And then they walk into a meeting, yeah. and they are operating from a higher vibration. Yes, love it. And it's like, yeah, am I am I the vehicle? Am mm-hmm. I the catalyst for myself and others, all of my neighbors, mm-hmm. and all of creation to elevate, uh-huh. which is, of course, my theme for the year, right? I elevate. love that. That's right. I forgot. Me too, until this moment, <laughs> which made me go, oh, well, I haven't done anything with elevate in at that word. three weeks or mm. so. I need to, it's time for me to look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to elevate the consciousness, elevate the vibration, and if I see everyone as my neighbor, I'm more likely to do that. Yes. And Unless I've grown up having really na- angry, scary, resentful neighbors, and my definition of neighbor right, is, change. is colored by that. You know, Reverend Petra at the Center for Spiritual Living Dallas had this talk one time, and she, I'll never forget, she said something like, what would it be like if we um, walked through our day and had a sense of angels coming before the person that's walking towards us, and we've heard angels saying, here comes the divine, here comes the divine, here comes the divine. And if we looked at each person coming towards us as having this kind of trumpet of, here comes the divine, you know, how different that would be, how different we would react than, oh, here comes a scary homeless person, or here comes a person holding hands with the same sex, oh, or here comes, you know, an old person that's going to want something, or here comes a young child that's dirty and scary, or, you know, all these things that we see coming towards us versus here comes the divine, here comes the divine, how I would react differently, you know? And I didn't mean me because, of course, I react perfectly in all situations, but how other people that are still struggling on that human plane, how they would react differently, <laughs> And to then turn that around to here comes the divine when I'm walking forward. You know, that's a whole other shift, too. How often am I in that conscious state that I am the divine walking forward, you know? And so when people see me and they react in a negative way to what they see, if I am coming forth as, if I am walking toward them as the divine, then I can be forgiving of that. Right. I can be. I cannot take it on as my story. Mm-hmm. I can be really clear it's their story. I don't have to have pity for them. I don't have to be angry with them. I can take in pretty much whatever they are feeling without it shifting me off of center. Right. And of course, the the one um, the exception that immediately comes into my human mind is yes, as long as they are not literally, you know, harming, right, sure. creating sure, physical sure, sure. harm. Yes, very good. Because sure. that doesn't mean you just sit there and let somebody, you know, right. do whatever verbally or physically hurt. But so much of what we experience in our day to day life is not that. Right. I mean, it's the story we've made up and mm-hmm. the assumptions that we have and the stereotypes that we live by or the resentment for what somebody actually did or said five years ago. Yeah. And I'm still interacting yeah. with them based on that mm-hmm. decision they made five years ago. And, or somebody that's not even them, that I recognize that, you know, something that they're doing <laughs> that somebody did to me 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and Come. They remind me of Ooh. a person, and so absolutely they get the full <laughs> wrath there. of that. Yes. It's really kind of um, scary how much opportunity we pass on yes. to be the love in the room, to be the the Christ consciousness in the situation because we get so wrapped up in the human experience in the human story that we don't even realize that we are um, in that, in the wrapped 
within it. It's almost like <laughs> I, I I just have this image of, you know, it being cold and, you know, being in the bed, which is very comfortable, mm-hmm. with a sheet, a blanket, and a quilt or a comforter <laughs> over that, and then being having it all snuggled mm-hmm. around, you know, so you're really warm and toasty, mm-hmm. and you're comfortable. And it's like how really in life how much I walk around like that, mm-hmm. that I'm in my comfy life blanket, mm-hmm. and so anything that's coming at me, it's like, no, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to be warm and toasty and comfortable. And so I'm, you know, looking out to see if you're going to try to take me away from that, and then I'm just going to burrow down more under the covers. Um, and and I'm going to do whatever I, it takes to preserve that. That familiarity that we think is safe, right? Yes. It's definitely warm and <clears throat> The illusion of the, yes, right, right. And sometimes hearing what you have to say or, you know, what someone else has to say or how they want me to act or react is not comfortable. Right. And so, yeah, I just push it away, push it away. And if I just push it away, that might not be so bad, but if I push it away and have a judgment about it and make up <laughs> make them bad and right have to make them bad so I can be right, mm-hmm. then it's a whole different scenario and how that will play out and how that will build and how I will feel, mm-hmm. let alone how I might make them feel depending on what I do. And you know, it's such an interesting thing that this happens, this human experience that keeps kind of repeating and kind of keeping going on an automatic pilot and, you know, with that really nice metaphor of being comfortable and safe, it's a sense of being comfortable and safe, but if I really saw what it was from the outside, you know, it's seven layers of blankets and I'm completely isolated and I'm completely by myself. And and so how to sort of begin to unfold or come out of this hibernated state that, that that is part of the human experience of awakening, right? If we're going to mm-hmm. be awakened, if the idea of being awakened does that mean, mean there's some state of being asleep. And um, one of the things that I do with the women in the jail, each Wednesday we have a different what we call opportunity to practice something. And we've been working on the concept of choice. And so the idea of choice, first thing I have to do is become aware that I have a choice. And then, you know, as I become aware that I have a choice to see, to become aware of the choices that I'm making. Yeah. And then then once I see the choices that I'm making, then I kind of become more of an active participant of being able to choose my choice. Mm-hmm. And so it's a real interesting, it's interesting to walk, it's interesting to work in weeks of blocks of time to the first week that the opportunity, the challenge was to simply watch themselves, to try to activate that third eye that we talk about. It's really fun to talk to people about third eyes that have no language for that at all. But to get get to the point where we can watch ourselves what we're doing, that awareness, and, and to be sort of non-judgmental in that and to watch myself, oh, that person jumped in front of me at the lunch line and I just kind of body slammed them, you know, back or something, and to to watch that and to start being sort of a documentary of my own, how I react, and then to be able to move into, okay, now I'm going to make a different choice. I'm going to choose to body slam that woman against the <laughs> wall, or I'm going to choose to say, excuse me, or I'm going to choose to get hurt. I'm going to, and then to see what we're doing as a choice, and then that third step of I'm going to make a conscious choice to make the highest choice out of love. And to, you know, sometimes we try to jump to making that conscious choice, and I think it's hard if we don't go through the process of first just being aware and then coming in and seeing the choice, that it is a choice, and making it, even if it's a bad choice, I'm still aware that I'm making a choice, and then moving into that, I'm going to make the choice out of love. And so that awakening and that awareness, you say the first to any change is awareness. I can't change anything that I'm not aware of. And then to see that I'm always a choice. I think that's such a hard concept for humans because I want to be, a woman said this to me this morning on the phone, 
in a victim consciousness. The consciousness of victim, you know, I'm pulling in all this this reason of why I could be a victim, why that serves me, why that is, you know, what I deserve, what I have to have to be. You know, I'm looking for reasons to support my victim consciousness versus being aware of that and then flipping into, you know, taking making a choice and understanding I'm always a choice. And when I when I don't make a choice, I'm making a choice. You know, the choice is being made. Choice is being made. Yeah, right. choice the is being choice made. is yeah. to be with the default, or the choice right. is to stay in fear, mm-hmm. the choice is to experience more of what I'm experiencing now because I'm not choosing something mm-hmm. new. Yeah, it's always, we are always making a choice, and our life is always reflecting mm-hmm. the choices that we've made before this moment. Mm-hmm. Damn, I hate it. <laughs> You want to see the seed you planted? Are you in a tomato field or a cactus field? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Wow, what is that about? And it shows up in, I, I am going to carry with me the idea of uh, neighbors being everyone I meet, that everyone yeah. in the world is my neighbor. Yeah. And yeah. this week, just be more conscious and intentional about that. Um, How did it go with your... Uh, Neighbors in the airport last week that you were going to make a conscious choice to outreach to. If I had a good experience and it was interesting how I was so aware yes, of that. Yes. Um, and I I didn't almost miss my flight. That's an exaggeration. But there was a neighbor um, who actually was working in the airport, and I, you know, after I went to security, mm-hmm. I stopped to get something to drink and a sandwich, mm-hmm. and um, and the man who was selling me the sandwich and the um, juice was, for whatever reason, <laughs> um. I was going to say attracted to me, but I don't mean in a ah. sexual, romantic way. Oh. I mean energetically, ah. energetically attracted to me. And so he was a talker, mm. and it wasn't very busy. Mm. And so he he went from one story right into the next oh. story, right into the next story, to the point where even though it was interesting, mm-hmm. And I was being generous with my time, <laughs> and it was enough of an opportunity for me to do what you just said happened with your neighbor in the mm-hmm. connect the dots, to choose. Right. I could be curt mm-hmm. and put on my Chicago, New York, <laughs> you know, right. end this walk away. Um, but I didn't. It was like, no, he clearly needs to talk. He's mm-hmm. glad to have somebody to listen to him. And what would it be like if you were at this kiosk, or, you know, this little shop all day, and, you know, most people do come, and they're ah. just really curt, or they're so, rude, or yes. they're demanding. Of course. And he was he was entertaining, yes. actually. Yes. Uh, but after about 12 I did have to wow. say, yeah, yeah. I did have to say, you know, I'm really enjoying this conversation, wow. and I really don't want to miss my flight. Yeah. And right. he's like, oh, oh, that's right. Course, You're right. in the airport. You're yeah. going somewhere. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it was really great to make that connection um, on both ends. It, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a good experience. So that's about all the time we have for neighbors today. And I, like I said, I'm going to take that out this week. I think everyone is being my neighbor. So I'm making a conscious choice. I like to be reminded I have a conscious choice. Conscious choice. I love it. So um hope that you got an insight or an aha as you listen in on this conversation about saying yes to spirit. And I hope you'll look at our schedule to see what's coming up soon and join us again. But until then, say, say yes, yes to spirit.
I don't mean to be so uptight, but my heart's been hurt a couple times by a couple guys that didn't treat me right. I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie. Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. If it's meant to be. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.